This is In the Word, On the Go, the podcast where we look at one verse from God's Word for 10 minutes of your day. Welcome to In the Word, On the Go. I'm Champ Thornton, your host. Whether you're listening by yourself or with a family, this podcast is here for you to spend 10 more minutes in God's Word while you go about your day. In each episode, I get to interview one person about a favorite verse from the Bible. And today I'm thrilled to welcome back Andy Nacelli. Andy is Associate Professor of Systematic Theology and New Testament at Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's also an elder at Bethlehem Baptist Church. He's the administrator of a theological journal called Familios and has authored and contributed to numerous books and articles, including a book that we've co-authored for middle grade readers called The Serpent Slayer and The Scroll of Riddles, coming out in 2022. Andy, it's great to have you back on the podcast. My pleasure, champ. Well, I am looking forward to this, and I'm curious what verses you have for us today. I thought Romans 11, 34, and 35 would be encouraging. So it's three questions, and Paul's quoting the Old Testament. So here's question one. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Question two. Or who has been his counselor? And question three, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? So those are three questions. And now I have a question, and that is, why are these questions here? Why is Paul, the author of this letter, why is he asking these questions? Yeah, so this is in the, it's like a a sandwich, and I just quoted the meat, and there's a piece of bread on top and a piece of bread on the bottom that Hmm. kind of helps it all fit together. Mm -hmm. So the, the piece of bread on top says, Uh, three exclamations. The first exclamation is, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. And the second exclamation is, how unsearchable are his judgments. And the third is, how inscrutable his ways. And then the piece of bread at the bottom of the sandwich is, for from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be glory forever. Amen. So all that fits together as the capstone of Romans 1 through 11. It's beautiful. Yeah, that is. And then those pieces of bread are part of a larger feast called the Book Mm -hmm. of Romans. Mm -hmm. So can you give us just a bird's eye view of like where these verses are showing up and why they would be there? Yeah. So Romans 9 through 11 are really preoccupied with showing that there's no injustice with God. God is completely just in how he's dealt with Israel. Mm -hmm. So the way Paul argues at first is basically uh, the first part of Romans 9 arguing that God's promises to Israel don't contradict this new twist in salvation history in which he's saving some Israelites and many Gentiles. Hmm. And then uh, he talks about Israel's present culpability. So Israel's, Israel is responsible for not believing in Christ. And then at the beginning of 11, he talks about the present predicament of Israelites, hmm. that God is fulfilling his promises to Israel by saving a remnant. And then at the end of Romans 11, it's just right before what I just read, uh, it's talking about Israel's future. That's my view, that God will fulfill his promise to Israel when he saves all Israel. And after saying all that, he erupts with the the section I read. So Paul is tracing the work of God in the past and in the present and into the future. Mm-hmm. And that causes him to just explode with worship and praise. And then in the middle of that, to ask three questions. So let's get back to those questions. All right. Is he seeking information? Is it that kind of question? Is it a rhetorical no. question? Talk us through what's going on here. If, if I were to ask one of my daughters, is it snowing right now? 
uh, that's not a rhetorical question. That's I'm seeking information. Mm-hmm. But if I said to her something like, don't you love it when it snows? Hmm. Now that's a rhetorical question. Right. You could actually change that into a statement, which means you love it when it snows, but you still ask it in the form of a question. Hmm. So these three questions are rhetorical questions that you could transform into propositions. So instead of saying, uh, who has known the mind of the Lord? You could say, no one has known the mind of the Lord. Hmm. Or instead of asking, who's been his counselor? You could say, no one has been God's counselor. Hmm. Or instead of asking, who's given a gift to him that he might be repaid? You could say, no one has given a gift to God that God must repay him. So why these particular questions, or actually maybe more like statements asked in question form, why these three in particular, given the fact that he's just been reviewing the past, present, and future of God's wonderful works on earth with his people? Yeah. So the, the first two questions, the first two rhetorical questions, quote Isaiah 40, verse 13. And the third one quotes Job 41, 11. And I just puzzled over this for a long time. Why is Paul doing this? What's his warrant for quoting those passages here? And I think the answer is that he's quoting those passages with their larger Old Testament contexts in mind. Mm-hmm. And he's connecting Isaiah 40 and Job 38 to 42 and Romans 9 to 11 all together in order to exalt God for being incomprehensible and wise and merciful and gracious and patient and independent and sovereign. So if you look at all three of those passages, the subject in all three passages have been experiencing God's blessing. So think of Job experiencing God's blessing or or the Israelites in Isaiah experiencing God's blessing or the Israelites in Romans 9 to 11, they're experiencing God's blessing. But then God takes that away to some degree in a way that they think is unfair. Hmm. And then after the subjects in all three contexts question God's righteousness while asserting their own, God reveals truth to them that they find difficult and unsatisfying, Hmm. but they've got to repent of their flawed view of God and themselves, and they must trust God. And only then will they experience God's restored blessing to an even greater degree and in an unexpected way. And this whole plan of God saving people demonstrates that he's wise and kind and sovereign. So I think that's why Paul quotes those passages. So you just described some Old Testament characters who were walking on the path of God blessing, then something confusing, then God saying something that's really kind of difficult, and then God causing them to still follow him and worship him. What are some ways where that similar patch of ground, that similar portion of the path, where do we encounter that? Where might those series of elements emerge in our lives and these questions would would fit that context? Yeah, if we're, if we're going through a period of time that's very difficult and we're tempted to question whether God is being fair with us, then this is a passage for us to think about. That first question, God is incomprehensible in the sense that we can't fully understand him. So that would imply we can't understand everything, so we shouldn't act like we can. And God isn't obligated to explain anything to us, so he shouldn't expect him to. He might. And we've got to humbly believe and cherish what he has revealed and then praise him for what he does and doesn't explain to us. That's one way to respond. The second question is that God is without counselors. He doesn't have any counselors. And that would mean we shouldn't try to give God advice. Like we can, like we know better. And he deserves praise for not needing advice. Hmm. And that third question about giving gifts to him that he should repay us. Hmm. uh, God is, is without creditors. So that would mean we shouldn't try to place God in our debt. And he deserves praise for not owing anything to anyone. And you put all that together and it's, it's humbling when you think about who God is and he's gloriously praiseworthy. And that's why Paul moves from this to the last 
doxology uh, hmm. for, from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The slice of bread at the end. Yeah. So if you were going to explain these to your girls and maybe you're sitting in the living room and you've got 60 seconds to say, all right, girls, this is what you've got to get your heart around with these verses. What would you say? God is a big God. He's incomprehensible. He doesn't need any counselors. No one can say that he owes them anything. He is deep and inscrutable. He's supreme. He's the kind of person and exclusively where you need to fall on your face before him and worship. Mm. That's what this passage is about. I love it. Andy, thank you for taking yeah. us to this passage and for sharing how the Lord's used it in your life. Would you just pray this verse for all of us as we close? Sure. Lord, your riches and wisdom and knowledge are deep. Your judgments are unsearchable. Your ways are inscrutable. For who's known your mind or who's counseled you? Who's given you a gift that you've got to repay him? You don't need anyone to counsel you. You don't owe anyone anything because from you and through you and to you are all things. And that's why you deserve glory forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to In the Word, On the Go. For more information about this podcast or to listen to past episodes, visit wordonthego.net.